We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Everybody and welcome back to Loud Mouth Podcast. Um, today I'm here with my friend Lauren Rocca. Um, we've been friends since freshman year of high school. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. freshman year of high school, and um, you know, just stayed friends throughout. You know, she's great. She goes to Mizzou, and today we're going to be talking about human trafficking, chef sex trafficking. All that, you know, not so fun stuff, but she knows so much more about it than me. So I'm excited to learn some things from her, and I hope that you guys learn some things from her too. So, Lauren, if you want to introduce yourself, go ahead. Hey guys, my name is Lauren Rocca, and I'm 22, and I go to Mizzou. I'm a senior here, and my major doesn't really have much to do with human trafficking, uh, although. We can work with them, but I plan on being an occupational therapist. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of just talk about something I'm passionate about and something I wasn't expecting to get involved in. Um, but yeah, now really, really love um, informing people about it and being informed. Yeah. So let's kind of start out. How did you get involved with this topic and like, you know, learning more about it and becoming passionate about it? Right. Um, so I had heard about, um, a thing called IJM, uh, my freshman year of college and I didn't really know what it was. I had heard the term human trafficking and I knew it wasn't a good thing. Um, but, uh, I didn't really know what they did or what they stood for, but I heard some people that I really look up to, um, were getting involved in it, so I decided to just start going to meetings and ended up running for exec. Basically, I was just impressed with the way that they approached the situation as something not actually separate from us, but um, something that we take part in daily, um, in our daily decisions of buying clothes or um buying certain shows or looking at certain websites and how much that has to do with trafficking. Um, It's all around us. And once I figured that out, that, you know, it happens in Columbia, Missouri, um, because I-70 is a huge hotspot for trafficking. um, It felt a lot closer than just people in third world countries working in sweatshops. Although that does happen a lot. um, It's so much more than that. Um, and it's so much closer than that. 
yeah, so I just, uh, once I got involved, I just continued to learn about it and traveled around to places like Washington, D.C. Um, to talk mm-hmm. to lobbyists, things that we can be doing to help the situation. Yeah, but the more I heard that other people were passionate about it, I was like, okay, this is an issue that we can be involved with without acting like this white savior. Yeah. Kind of like I can come in and, you know, change your life because really we are the problem mainly. And IJM is really good about hiring lawyers and law enforcement from um, the countries that the trafficking is happening in so Mm -hmm. that like we don't just go in there and speak English and expect them to like Americanize their culture yeah so and so kind of going off of what you were talking about earlier but like realizing that it's a lot closer to home than what you kind of expected and knew about before um you kind of talked a little bit just about like fast fashion and stuff and I feel like that's been a super popular thing that's been talked about a lot more recently like within the past couple of years I feel like that's something that I didn't know about at all. And now I'm way more conscious about it. And if you can, can you explain how that kind of goes into human trafficking and all that? Yeah, fast fashion is a nasty little addiction that um, I think the Western world has, including myself. Yeah, it's just really easy to be unaware of how our purchases like affect other human beings. Um, but the way that, like, basically, it the trafficking that happens is labor trafficking in those instances, and um, it can be both women and men, it can be children, um, anyone. But what happens is um, these people work for super duper low wages because they don't have access to education, they don't have access to safe housing. They're often lured by um, low wages because they can't, uh, provide for their family. Um, and they work in dangerous conditions because the owners don't want to waste money on safe conditions or, um, actual humans. Um, they would rather profit off of their sales. And so when we go to places like Forever 21 or, um, I don't know, like H&M used to be bad. They're getting a lot better, though. Yeah, like if you're buying things for like $10, it's probably not a good sign Mm -hmm. of like being ethical unless you're at like Goodwill. But that plays a huge role. And I mean, the main contributors are in the Western world. And because of our like hierarchy and privilege and consumer culture, it's not like looked at as deeply as we should because like it's out of sight out of mind type of thing yeah but there's also labor trafficking with food like the food industry um like a lot of fish that's sold um a lot of uh like fruits and vegetables um you know things like berries um a ton of those are also picked and cleaned or um fished by people who have been trafficked and um people who are also working for either super low wages or no wages at all and sometimes they're even like made to be I guess kind of slaves um Mm. on the site um it it really is modern day slavery um is what labor trafficking is they don't have 
break. They don't have um, a lot of good living conditions or food source. Um, they're expected to work like 16 hours a day. Yeah, just kind of crazy that, you know, our buying salmon or shrimp or a pepper at Walmart could mean like we're actually not only unaware of trafficking, but supporting it. I took a history of slavery class last semester, and we obviously talked about, you know, his, more historical slavery, you know, the Civil War and all that. But at the right. end, um, right before finals and stuff, he talked about modern day slavery and, you oh, know, cool. how we don't see it as, quote unquote, like real slavery, because one yeah. it's not, you know, happening in front of us. So obviously, you know, again, out of sight, out of mind. It also, you know, isn't what we see as typical slavery. And we wouldn't, yeah. if, you know, it's not one racial society going against another. It's, you know, any person who is kind of being used for low wages and whatnot being abused for by a person of power. Yeah. And, I mean, in a way, I think we don't want to hear about it because it benefits us in a lot of ways. Like, Yes, it's cheap and, like, nice on our wallets. But also there's this sense of, that I've seen, and I'm not immune to this either, but having issues in the world can make the privileged feel even more good about themselves if they try to help, Mm -hmm. um, rather than, like, actually seeing it and, like, being heartbroken over it. It can be, like, a thing of, oh, I'm being a good person and helping these, like, poor people out of slavery, when really, like they are hard workers they are capable of having a life that is successful and flourishing but they're being unbelievably oppressed and it's easy to be a hypocrite in this position too of like okay well I'm gonna talk about it and fight for this and be aware but then get tempted by a really cute shirt or not caring enough to like take the time to look to see where my vegetables are coming from and you know accidentally support it or knowingly sometimes just not caring yeah um so I think that can be like a weird push and pull too because like it's not natural and like we're not conditioned to care about that like in America especially we're just conditioned to keep consuming and consuming um, like that gives us status. It's a very strange dynamic between, I guess you could say like the dynamic between the first world and the third world. Yeah. And what you were talking about, you know, privileged people coming in and feeling more privileged because they're helping out. But also I think like when you recognize that there's a problem and that you're a privileged person in that sense that you don't, you didn't have to look at it. Like you didn't have to see that or like it doesn't affect you every day personally like that can make mm-hmm. you feel even more like of a shitty person basically and so yeah. you know people don't want to feel like that like they yeah. don't want to expose True. that they are being a like they are a privileged person in that they don't have to worry about that at all and yeah you know it doesn't affect them personally or anybody that they know personally and kind of right like what do you do through your organization or through just like personal efforts what do you do to kind of bring attention and awareness and fundraise and all that kind of stuff we're really across the board um and we're trying to work more locally too Mm -hmm. um because 
yeah, there's just a whole lot of trafficking um, right here. But if there's one thing that we do at least once a semester, once a year, I guess, this time, because everything is close. Um, <laughs> everything. But um, it's called Threads. And the idea behind it is actually underlying there's a lot of like undertones of spirituality throughout IJM mm-hmm. which is a really cool part of it um they don't like blatantly put that on a lot of their um successes and stuff like that but um as an organization they like stop every day throughout the world at 11 and they just pray for an hour um about the situation to kind of like refocus their minds. And so what thrives is um, a play on this idea of these woven fabrics that um, the people that they work with make. They're really, really beautiful. And the idea is that there's all these different colored threads um, and it all makes up this one beautiful, whatever, tapestry or scarf, like rug, whatever. It's supposed to represent who God is and if we don't have if we have all of this if we have this God who's powerful and loving like okay that's great but like God is also a God of justice and if we don't have that thread then the picture won't be complete it won't be as beautiful it's not as compelling the idea of threads is that we take people's clothes and it's second hand so that we're not we're both not contributing to trafficking and um, we resell the clothes for like a cheap price to yeah. raise money and then donate that money to IJM and then that money goes out into like either policy making or to employ like lawyers, um, law enforcement in these other countries that experience labor tra- trafficking, cyber sex trafficking whatever it's cool that i mean ijm is all throughout the country it's at a ton of universities and like you can start it up anywhere yeah it's cool because you can see the impact that you're having like consistently we'll get texts from ijm or like some of the ijm staff themselves will tell us about rescue missions that have gone well i mean they rescue people nearly if not every day at least seven week it's really fascinating um how they don't just like pride themselves on okay let me rescue these people now okay everything's good like they're not with their abuser like they actually keep I guess you could say rehabbing mm-hmm. them um like with therapy from like their traumas and their abusers um and they make sure they have like good living conditions through all of that kind of stuff because once they're free they're still not like psychologically free yeah this idea of like psychological slavery that's still kind of popping in the mind yeah so that's also a cool part about um ijam and that they're with them for cows in the long haul yeah it's so because you know i'm kind of relating this to like being like a missionary or whatnot, like you go into a country Mm -hmm. and you try to fix all these problems and then you just up and leave. Like you, right. Like you leave them with a whole new mess of problems of like trying to figure out how to function in this new system or whatever you gave them. Like, 
No, I I completely agree. Yeah, it's a dangerous game when you're entering into somebody else's culture and you're maybe even unknowingly like pushing your ideologies onto their way of being because clearly like we are coming from like consumer white Christian evangelical culture and like to push that onto another culture would be like more damaging than helpful yeah it's crucial for them that they hire people actually from their country otherwise that idea kind of falls through of um letting them gain strength for themselves and gain some sort of like living capacity for themselves because it's gonna look different than like me in missouri living in columbia yeah um versus like someone in ethiopia i my eyes have been opened um a lot lately to like the coffee industry Mm -hmm. even like different syrup berries like it's just all around us and really easy to miss which can be overwhelming too but i've just been like more aware of my own like privilege obviously but just like trying to make my own life easier and it is harder like when you do recognize your privilege and you try to like fight against it (laughs) um but it's a lot more worth it especially when you see all the impacts that it has but I also read like another thing that I read that was really impactful for me was um Bows Like Us by Rachel Lloyd it's a book about human trafficking mainly in the U.S. but she's actually from Germany I'm pretty sure and she was trafficked in Germany and in New York and kind of throughout the U.S. but her stories were like very vivid and um kind of mind-blowing just how um violence progresses and how perpetrators or you know I like literally pimps or daddies like entice these women um, yeah. into trafficking at like 11 I mean I think the average age for being trafficked is 11 to 14 which is really telling of who they're looking for because think of that as okay 14 year old who quote fell in love with a 35 year old because they gave them a leather jacket and they don't have a family to go back to and they saw them on the subway yeah. And took them to a fancy dinner at Red Lobster, and now, you know, they think they're in love, but really they're being trafficked. Yeah. You know, even in the courts, it doesn't always hold up very well when their argument is like, I'm in love with this man, but some people are trying to put this guy in jail, and they're like, okay, well, she's not being held against her will. But it's like, um, but it's like, um, like uh, grooming them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's totally grooming. Um, Really really sad i mean yeah the justice system is for sure not built to protect women of color yeah who are the majority of the people who are being trafficked um yeah our system just isn't built to protect them it's pretty much built against them um and it's, it's hard for even people who are advocates um of people who are being trafficked because a lot of times they don't want to leave Um, Or that's all they know. And a lot of times it's the idea that they're not going to get a job outside of it. Like, they 
have this idea like, oh, the only thing I'm good at is, you know, being trafficked or yeah. which is why I think that the fact that IGM like works with them throughout like afterwards and everything because it would be so easy like once they get out of it obviously to go back into it because it's like well I'm not good at anything else I don't know anything else exactly yeah so I mean yeah there's also this whole other you know once they do get out of trafficking um kind of like teaching them new skills and um it's cool some of that it's mean there's like there's a thing called the Malaysia Project, too, mm-hmm. and they make tapestries and, like, just such beautiful, um, it's just art, uh-huh. um, but it's, like, stone art, and um, it's cool that, like, art tends to be the skill that they learn. That can also, like, art can be super therapeutic for victims of any trauma or abuse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just another site that's pretty cool yeah no that's super cool and so uh what was that book that you mentioned earlier what was it called again yeah it's called girls like us by rachel lloyd an autobiography Mm -hmm. and she talks about her experience um being trafficked but she also ends up being an advocate for women who have been trafficked or are being trafficked in new york so she also explains her time you know trying to advocate for these women who don't necessarily want to be advocated for yeah and kind of the difficulties that comes with that I learned a ton from it because as a person who's never experienced being trafficked or domestic violence or anything it's hard to think that I could be of help um to a situation because I'm like okay well you know what if I don't know what if I end up hurting them more than helping what if what if what if Mm -hmm. kind of reading different stories about it helps me gain better empathy and understanding so that if I do because you know I mean domestic violence is seen and trafficking is seen so much in yeah the health field or in any field if and when I do um come into contact with someone who has experienced that trauma like knowing how to navigate that and what language to use and like some triggers that to stay away from yeah um is important yeah, because learning from, obviously, people who have gone through it is so much more impactful and, like, easier to comprehend than just sitting here and, like, thinking that you know it all and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I, I just, it's too much to know it all, you yeah. know? There's obviously <laughs> going to be, like, different, different scenarios for everything. There, not everything's one blanket. Like, this is what human trafficking is. This is what it looks like. Like, look for that. Because there's obviously right. all sorts of different kinds. Um, so I was going to ask, you kind of brought up that it is in, like, Colombia, you know, more than you thought. Is there any, can mm-hmm. you explain or elaborate on that or anything? Like, mm-hmm. what that means? Yeah. So there are, throughout the world, there are, I think, it's around 4.3 million people who are trafficked in Missouri, especially along I-70. Those are huge trafficking hotspots, and oftentimes they will actually go to middle schools and look for people with disabilities um, to prey on, which, and oftentimes, you know, cognitive disabilities. I mean, it happens, you know, where we grew up. I mean, it happens in suburbia. Yeah. Just as well as, you know, the city or the inner city. Um, 
trafficking knows no bounds and uh, I wish I knew numbers of how much how many are trafficked in Missouri or Columbia mm-hmm. specifically but um I think it was in some of my social work classes that I heard some stories of survivors who were trafficked in Missouri um and what it looked like and how it looked really similar to love and really similar to a relationship because uh there's like a college town there's a lot of lures of like hey if they use the women sometimes even older women to to lure younger women of like hey do you have a car i need a ride home like that kind of stuff and then once they're there they kind of get groomed like you were saying groomed um to like fall in love with these men and they target people of like cognitive disabilities or low socioeconomic status or people who have family trauma. Um, so it's oftentimes the most vulnerable populations, which is horrid because those people are also the least likely to get out of the situation. Yeah. And it just kind of becomes a cycle. But yeah, in Colombia, we for sure have a bunch of brothels that have been busted and brothels that you know, are still active and yeah, being used for business and stuff like that, which is why also, I mean, all of this quarantining stuff is, I mean, so scary for people. Yeah. Like in violent situations or situations where, you know, if they are going out and having sex with men who are paying for services or um, if people are making porn of them, you know, having sex with each other or whatever, um, it becomes a health hazard for one, but also just deeper abuse, deeper isolation, deeper loss of relationships with people who may be able to help them out of yeah. the situation. Yeah, just anything that happens to us affects trafficking in such an interesting and, like, intricate way yeah but i don't know if you guys have this we have this in columbia um it's called true north uh it's a shelter for women who are either abused or like experiencing domestic violence or people have been trafficked yeah or we, both i mean we don't have true north but we do have a place called harmony house that's <gasps> cool yeah really big here and they're yeah they have huge facilities and they're um really great actually like our panhellenic community has worked with them multiple times to like for just fundraisers and you know information on abusive relationships and all that i also saw in the news the other day now this was on twitters and i will be honest and say i didn't read the full article so i could be (laughs) could be wrong in some ways but i saw i don't know what state it was in but there's one city in a state that's um, one of the hotels are offering free, like, housing services for people of abusive relationships. Like, if they can't, if they don't want to shelter in place, like, at their normal mm-hmm. residency because it's unsafe. That's amazing. Yeah. Also, I looked up human trafficking in Missouri to look for a number. And yes. how much? Um, so, in 2016, the World Health Organization reported 95 cases of sex trafficking 24 cases of labor trafficking and 421 mm-hmm. calls reporting specific specific oh my god <laughs> suspicious <laughs> cases and then obviously it says like these don't include people who aren't speaking out or 
um, freed victims who are in fear of speaking out. So, right. Obviously, yeah. very prevalent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure like what you were saying earlier, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't seem like it would be something that would be here. Like it does. It seems like a third world world country situation, you know, we're so big in freedom and stuff. So how could it happen here? But right. Bad things happen in the U.S. too. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no like, I mean, not no representation, but there's barely any representation in the media of. Um, people who are being trafficked and even if they do find people who are being trafficked usually like cops will find or just law enforcement in general will find prostitutes and prostitutes will end up being victimized not victimized um criminalized Uh for being a prostitute when really they're the victim of a bigger trafficking institution you know these women have been through so much trauma and stuff and then put them in jail and that's not going to help the situation yeah. like that which is this Rachel Lloyd um the author of that book Girls Like Us um she that's who she works with is a lot of times it's people who are in jail her um like organization is called GEMS because she calls people who are trafficked like sexually exploited um oh the commercially sexually exploited okay but yeah it's crazy that like Anyone, I mean, and often these law enforcement people or, you know, whatever, it can be anyone, dads, priests, husbands, brothers, I mean, lawyers, people of high socioeconomic status, people of low, are the ones who are paying for these services by these women, and it's often against their will because now there's a whole movement of, like, this this is some people's jobs, um, and we need to respect that, and... Um, like they've been working for this and it's their skill, blah, 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 which I'm sure in, you know, some rare cases that is true. However, if we do frame it like that, then the majority becomes this trade of, oh, they want it, like look what they're wearing, kind of this rape culture, yeah, like um, of victimizing these people for or criminalizing these people for being victims because uh women i mean yeah just the abuse that they experience too is like nothing i've ever heard of like there were some women who um if they didn't if they didn't obey their owners i guess you could say or their daddies they some were run over by their car oh my god and yeah, like insane whipping, insane, like people had brain trauma. And this happens in our Columbia hospitals too. There are women with um, damaged brains and like actual like cognitive disabilities because they've been abused so much. But they are so intrinsically trained that abuse is how they learn and what love looks like. And so when you put them up in court, they don't see their situation as abnormal or they don't often see the situation as abusive as much as they see it as like they deserve it away yeah like they totally deserve it yeah and plus they don't want to leave their abuser a lot of times because uh some people who are exploited didn't grow up in great families and so they now have this they actually pin it like this so that these girls feel a false sense of family 
and mm. they call each other sister-in-laws, sister, no, wives-in-laws. They call each other wives-in-laws, and the daddy is called daddy, and they'll have, like, family dinners Ugh. or some sort of thing that resembles family. Um, but then the daddy will turn these wives-in-laws against each other um, so that the abuse feels normal and so that when they see their daddy abusing one of their sisters or one of their wives-in-laws, then they know that, like, okay, not going to do that, going to keep trying to impress them. And then it's like this these really, really toxic relationships. Yeah, like, of, already okay, tonight, you're my favorite. I'm going to have sex with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, already playing off, like, a sense of, like, insecurity within the women against each other and then going further mm-hmm. and implementing abuse yeah. and all that. Right. Completely. Uh, yeah. So, just really maddening. And it can feel really helpless, too, when you're reading these stories and you're just like, how do you even yeah. know about, like, doing anything about that? But there are things that we can do. We love a beautiful um, segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already talked about some of them, so I might get kind of redundant here. There are for sure things that we can do. The only thing that is interesting about this issue and doing something about it is that it can feel like you're not doing much because you don't see the direct effects oftentimes, Mm. but funding is huge. Actually, like, donating money, you know, I don't, whatever you can give, you know, if you give five bucks every three months, that's fine, you know, but um, funding helps so much because the lawyers who are defending these people are often just, like, not, I mean, I guess nonprofit, you know, it varies, whatever. Yeah. But a lot of times it's people who aren't, you know, doing their job for the money. And it's really hard um, to find good lawyers who will work for next to nothing. Yeah. And so funding to actually pay these people is huge. Plus funding for, you know, shelters um, and stuff helps buy, you know, if they have a baby, diapers, money, to go to either their medications or therapy or even physical therapy sometimes. Like, sometimes people will legitimately come out of these situations with physical disabilities um, because of the abuse. Yeah. And so funding is just massively important. And awareness, you know, getting people aware of this situation because it's uncomfortable. Like, hearing about it's uncomfortable. Talking about it isn't natural. It doesn't just come up in normal conversation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hey, have you heard that, like, people are being sold and bought? Um, (laughs) But awareness is huge. So, like, trying to find ways to get involved or even, I mean, creating a club like IJM on a campus so that you do have that platform to talk about it and to raise funds. Those are huge. You can also volunteer. So I know at our place, which I'm sure shelters are pretty much set up, very similarly but yeah um but true north we can volunteer at and Mm -hmm. it's super anonymous super like it's all about the victim and like their wants and what they need in those moments um because it's a huge process oftentimes it can take years for someone to leave their um, perpetrator but they 
train people to be advocates, like, actually in the courtroom. Uh, like, obviously, they take donations and stuff. Another entity of it is foster care um, and actually getting involved with foster kids. They kind of go hand in hand, A, because the moms could have kids that they're bringing in to the shelter who need, um, you know, they need care or something like that. But also, trafficking is also prey on foster children um, because they are like aware that they have family issues and are probably looking for a safe spot yeah getting involved in foster care is actually really helpful um to prevent trafficking which is something i only recently heard about um it doesn't seem like it would go together right yeah and because they're so young like people think of people being trafficked in their teens or 20s but really it's you know 11 year old yeah so getting involved with those two in donations like suitcases um are really cool because they often move around with just trash bags don't get me wrong like i move into places with trash bags mainly but it's just the dignity of like something as their own that's super important to um for their emotional and like psychological well-being yeah um and things like clothes because a lot of the clothes that people who are attracted to a common are their work clothes. Mm. Um, and so, you know, anything like going out in public or getting a job can be a feat simply because of their attire. Mm. Um, and yeah, those things are really cool um, to help. But again, a lot of times you won't like see the benefits. Sometimes even in the courtroom, you won't see the benefits of what you're doing because it can seem so cyclical. It can seem so cyclical, and like this isn't getting better. This, you know, they're still yeah. wanting to go back. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but those things really do help, especially funding. And funding is, you know, easy if you find a an organization that you really stand by and you really um, support their mission because I know some focus more on, you know, the transgender community or they focus more on um, the traffic community or people with who've experienced domestic violence rather than trafficking necessarily. Um, so if you find an organization that you resonate with, it, it can be very helpful to kind of focus in on that and help locally, help where you're at, or help on a global scale, either one. So that a very important one. Talking to um, your senators, talking to the congressmen, talking to, um, you know, calling up people who actually do have the power to change these laws and regulations surrounding people who are being trafficked, like changing the language in the laws, changing that idea that, okay, these people did this by their own will, changing that to, okay, but what if x y and z happens then what does that look like ethically yeah um and so calling up these people and like telling them about it because you know they might not even be thinking about trafficking but knowing that a bunch of people care about the issue will make them care probably because they want to be reelected. but you know that's yeah one way i mean so, <laughs> i mean just notifying people who are a lot more important than me <laughs> um is great to um actually enact some sort of change for like 
a bigger community, like bigger scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just silence is so oppressive to these people who don't have a voice for themselves. And so, I mean, we were talking about privilege earlier and using that to um, actually enable people to fend for themselves and enable people to have a justice system that looks out for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really our duty yeah. as people with that privilege. I also, um, there's this app that's called Traffic Cam. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I downloaded it a while ago. I haven't used it too much because I don't really stay at hotels a whole lot. But I saw it. <laughs> I saw it somewhere online, like forever ago. And it's basically an app that you um, upload a picture of any hotel room that you stay in, and it kind of helps with human trafficking because, like, part of it is like girls being seen in hotel rooms, and like if it's like cyber sex or whatever it is um they can a lot of forensic analysis can look at that hotel and try and figure out where the hotel is to kind of triangulate a location is kind of like my basic understanding of it and so So yeah whenever people are able to upload a bunch of pictures of different hotels it like they automatically gets put in their system so it's easier for them to like analyze it and figure out where it is and stuff so that's First, another thing that really doesn't cool. feel like a whole lot of help, but, you know, collectively a bunch of people doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, it's called Sweat and Toil. And it's a lab, or not a lab, oh my gosh. It's an <laughs> iLab on the app, that's why I said that. It's Sweat um, and Toil, and it's an app, and um, it, it shows, like, foods from what comes like country and brands and stuff that are unethical and then brands that like haven't um been supporting trafficking as in like they are ethically producing like this food or this Mm -hmm. coffee or these fruits whatever and then there's uh, another app called good on you yeah yeah do you know it yes i have it (laughs) no way okay yeah so it's just like ethical clothing yeah Yeah, Yeah. you can just like search Um, up the brands and stuff and then I think like monthly they have like monthly favorites from different companies that make clothes that are ethical yeah it's just hard to like obviously it's just so hard to know all of this so like just being able to click on an app is nice whenever I'm in the grocery store or something yeah um instead of like trying to google and (laughs) sift through information yeah through every single item that you buy (laughs) but yeah yeah so that's what you can do to help out which I think is cool because it does it like gives people hope you know instead of just hearing about this awful issue and feeling like like there's nothing you can do like there are things that you can do that can at least slower the movement of it right exactly um yeah and obviously I mean there's probably a million other things that you can do that I failed to mention but um, those things have been like beneficial for me and yeah um especially as a college own. student you know well is there anything else that you would like to add or say or anything of that sort mm, I think if you read anything okay follow if if you're trying to stay informed mm-hmm. following IJM is a hopeful 
black account to follow on Instagram or just on their website Mm -hmm. because they're honest about what's going on, but they're also rescuing people and they share success stories. Um, If you're going to read a book, especially if you're interested in helping trafficking here in the U.S., I cannot rave about Girls Like Us by Rachel Lloyd enough. It it really did change my perspective on um, the whole issue. So, Okay. I would just leave it with that. But <laughs> Perfect. Well, Lauren, where can people follow you? How can they see more of your beautiful face, hear more of your voice? <laughs> I guess, yeah, my Instagram. I'm, it's just Lauren Rocca, Lauren underscore Rocca, L-A-U-R-E-N underscore R-O-C-C-A. Yeah. That's my name. Plug um, yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of my... Uh, my take on the whole thing yeah but I appreciate you talking about this issue it's so important yeah I'm so glad that I could learn more about it because I know you know you're you know a little bit more than me and still there's so much more to know but it's cool to like learn about these things especially in times where everyone's you know kind of staying at home and stuff it's important to be aware of issues that you know you may be safe in your home but another person might not be and it's kind of like right exactly plays into that and also you know you have all this time to learn more about something might as well learn more and start to advocate for something so that when this is all over you can kind of you know flow into that more dive into it yeah Yeah. I love it all righty well thank you so much Lauren for being here and Thank you guys for listening to Loudmouth. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at loudmouthpod. You can email me uh, loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com if you have any questions. You can send them my way and I'll probably direct you to Lauren or see if she can answer the questions for me so I don't say anything wrong. You can also go to my Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash loudmouthpod. But all the links in Lauren's Instagram will be in the show notes. And I'll also link IGM, oh my gosh, IJM in the show notes as well if you want to learn more about that. Um, So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your day.